Good morning. <laughs> it's good to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Cassidy Church. And it is my joy to welcome you uh, into celebration and service of the God who loves us and calls us into relationship. Uh, it's awesome if you're online or in person uh, to have you with us because God is doing a thing in and through us. God is calling us into deeper and deeper relationships so that we can go into the world and be the people that Jesus wants us to be. If you're new here, I just want you to know you're welcome. Again, whether online or in person, we want you to know that you are welcome to be a part of our community. We're going to invite you into our family, our family of faith that uh, goes beyond all of the, the boundaries and barriers of normal family. Uh, we even get along when we don't get along. It's going to be great. Uh, you're invited. Uh, one of the things that you're going to figure out, though, is that we are imperfect, and we realize that we're imperfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And we want passionately to be more like Jesus, and so we want to invite you on that journey so that together we can be made more like Jesus, so that together we can grow in that relationship with God and with one another, so that we can go into the world bearing the light of God into a dark and broken world. Uh, if you are new here, then you haven't uh, been a part of our uh, latest message series, our worship series called Squirrel. You can't say it without it sounding like if you say squirrel. It's just not as cool. Uh, so uh, the idea of uh, the fact that we can be distracted by so many things in the world. Uh, we started by saying, hey, noise is very distracting. And it can take our attention away from the thing that we need to be focused on, which is God. Uh, and we talked last week, uh, and I got, I got a lot of people uh, over the course of this that are sending me all of their squirrel videos and pictures and things like that. First, I, you need to know, I don't like squirrels. I think squirrels are rodents with fluffy tails. Um, they try to be pretty, but it's all a sham. Um, <laughs> and then we talked about impatience what it is to be impatient in this world, that, that we need to be patient in an impatient world, and how God can work in and on us so that we can be more like Jesus in this. And, and so we're going to continue uh, today specifically because it seems like the world is focused on bad news. Uh, I don't know if you have noticed, but it's not, not just in the past few days. It feels like the world is more and more focused on bad news or, or this idea of doom and gloom rather than on the good news and things like that. And it, it comes in so many flavors. It, it's so prevalent that there is now a new term that has been made up uh, about this. It's called doom scrolling. Everybody say that with me. Doom scrolling. Yeah, doom scrolling is just, it, it is what it sounds like, where you're scrolling through social media and you're looking at all the bad things that are going on in the world, that you're focused on the negative. And, and for me, this past week has been crazy because I have friends that were on pilgrimage from the previous church I was at to the Holy Land they were in Jerusalem when the, the issues, the issues, the war broke out in Israel. And so uh, for the past few days, I'm looking for any update, any information, any, uh, I'm sending texts to friends, I'm sending texts to people that I know that live in Israel and say, because I used to work for a company that was headquartered in Israel. And I'm like, hey, are you guys okay? Uh, nobody's responding back, oddly enough, because there's problems in the country. Uh, but I was watching to hear any update from my friends. Now, the good news is all 42 of them 
as of yesterday, made it back into the United States, some of them at like 2 o'clock in the morning. Actually, I guess that was today. Um, but they, they've made it back into the States, but it, it just was a harrowing time. It's a crazy time. Um, and, and what's even worse is that if you look at the news, everything is focused on the negative side. We have, this is in no order of how I watch news. Um, this is just pictures that I took. This is off of CNN, and they got Hamas launched a barrage of rockets at the city of Ashkelon. Uh, you know, you have the, these sensational images. This is from Associated Press um, that, that are designed to make you want to know more. And then the headlines, uh, Israel pounds Hamas's stronghold, and, and, you know, all of these things. Uh, Fox News uh, in bright red, Biden says at least 14 Americans slain. There is so much information, and, and quite frankly, when we look at some of these headlines, it, it drives us into uh, an interesting direction. It drives us to want to know more. And, and what's, what's even more interesting is, although doom scrolling is new, uh, a new word to, to put a, a name around something, the reality is it's not a new thought. In the 70s, we called this mean world syndrome. <laughs> Like, that was a real thing. They called it mean world syndrome. Here's what mean world syndrome was. The belief that the world is a more dangerous place to live than it actually is. Why? Why is it a belief? Uh, as a result of long-term exposure to violence-related content on television. You can tell it's from the 70s. It was TV's fault. Now it's, it, now it's not TV. Now it's either video games, because that was like the, the 90s. Was, it was all video games. Now it's the internet's fault, right? We can, we can do all these things. The internet changes how we interface information. So what happens is if you're like me, you see a story and you're like, well, I want to know more about that. And so you start digging deeper. You Google a little bit of information so you can then become an expert, obviously, on whatever the subject is. So you can, and I'm a, a learner by nature. That's one of my strengths. I like to learn things. And so this leads to a rabbit hole because I see upsetting news. I research it. And what I find is even more upsetting than what I thought. And, and, and I fear what I don't know. Uh, and so I will learn more about it because the reality in my head is if I don't know it, it could hurt me. And I want not to be hurt by whatever it is. So I want to learn more. I want to know more. And it leads to this, this spiral, this deepening cycle of depression and fear and concern can come. Because why? Because all I'm looking at is the dark things that are happening in the world around us. And, and it's crazy for us because it gives us this feeling of being better prepared for all of the bad things, but it leads us to worsening mood and can even be disruptive to our mental health. I, th this focus on the negativity in the world causes us, to, it creates in us a negativity bias. Constant exposure to, to, to the things going on that are broken in this world can, can give us this negativity bias. Some of you are sitting out there going, I don't know what a negativity bias is. Don't worry, I'm going to share that with you. Uh, here it is. Things of a more negative nature have a greater effect on one's psychological state than neutral or positive things. Here, here's what that means. You hear bad news, and that 
lives with you longer than even good news. Like you focus on the negative, and we as a culture kind of are geared toward focusing on the negative. Your, your child comes home with straight A's and a C. What's the first thing you're going to ask about? What happened there? Why, why is that not as good as it should be? All right, we focus on the negative. You can have somebody that's doing 100,000 things. All the kids are like, yeah. <laughs> you can do 100,000 things right. You do one wrong, and everybody notices the one wrong. We focus on the negative. We see these sensational headlines, and it messes with us. And, and, and we start to see the world through a darkening lens that the world is a bad place. I mean, we see, we see if, our, if, our, if our political party doesn't win, the world is going to come to an end. We see war. We see earthquakes. We see tidal waves or tsunamis, whichever side of the world you're on when it happens. We see famine. We hear rumors of war, and we can start to believe that nothing good can happen. Nothing good ever happens. Why would something good be possible at all? It, it, it shapes our mindset that the earth is evil all the time. And we just want to escape. We just want to get away. And we forget God's words on the subject, focusing on the negative. And some of you out there are sitting there going, I didn't know God said anything about doom scrolling. <laughs> I got, I'm glad you asked. We're going we're gonna to talk about it. Uh, he didn't speak in those words. He didn't say doom scrolling. Uh, but God sets us up in the very beginning of his, his revelation of who he is to us. God sets us up so that we understand that the world he created, the people that he created, life that he created is good. In the very first chapter of the very first book in the Bible, it's called Genesis. It tells the story of creation, and it's a beautiful picture, but he ends the story this way. And God saw that he, all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. God saw all that he had made, the people the planet, the plants, the animals, the sky, the cosmos, everything. And what did God say? He wasn't like, oh, that's pretty okay. No, he said it's good. It's very good. And we can struggle with this because we look around and the world does not seem to be very good. We see that sin entered into the world in, in very theological terms. And, and we're like, well, that's what broke the world. And so now the world is going to hell in a handbasket. My grandmother would be so mortified that I just said that out loud. I love it. It's good. Um, but we can believe this. We can start to be on this tent of, hey, things are not good. Things are not okay. Things are bad. We forget that Jesus came to usher in the kingdom of God, that Jesus came to be a light in the darkness. John's gospel, John was one of Jesus' best friends, one of his inner three disciples, and John records in, in his gospel this beautiful poem. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
John says, Jesus came into the world to be a light bearer, to reveal God's light and love to us, to be God's light for us. Jesus, the Word of God, is light in the darkness. And the problem is, is we get caught up, maybe, we get caught up in the darkness because we're not focused on the light. I, I have a, uh, I've shared actually in this series uh, about my beautiful dog. My dog is amazing, but my dog likes to go out at night. I don't know. It's just a thing. Got to go to the bathroom before you go to bed. I totally get it. Um, but we live in, in an area where there's not a lot of ambient light in our, around our house. And so when the dog wants to go outside, when she was a little puppy, she was very timid of the dark. And I would have to turn the light on. And the dog would go out, and I couldn't see the dog because I was standing in the light. I couldn't even see the darkness because I was standing too closely to the light. I would have to put my hand up so that I could block the light out so that I could see where the dog was and what the dog was doing to make sure the dog was doing all the things the dog needed to do. I'm standing there blocking out the light. Why? Because the light was so bright, so overwhelming that the darkness had nothing for it, that I couldn't see into the dark because I was seeing through the light. This is the same reason why if you look at the sky during the day, you don't see very many stars because the light overwhelms the darkness. And this is the world that we live in. We, we live in a world not that's so filled with darkness, but that is so filled with God's light that we should be overwhelmed not by the bad things that are going on, but by the very presence of God in our lives. Because the question truly is, how do we live in the light when the darkness seems so prevalent? The reality is we're offering ourselves to live in the darkness. Uh, we, we need faith because we need to remember who God is. Faith is what gets us to where we're not standing in the darkness going, woe is me. We don't have a faith of Eeyore. Anybody remember who Eeyore is from Winnie the Pooh? I know it's not relevant now, but Winnie the Pooh was awesome because he had a buddy, and his buddy was Eeyore, and Eeyore was always depressed. Oh, bother, right? As Eeyore's like, it's just, I had a friend, we called him Eeyore. His name was Steve, too. That's why I like calling him Eeyore, because he was always like that. Oh, bother. The world is just so awful. It's no fun hanging out with somebody like that. Why? Because then we start to believe it. We forget who God is and what God has called us to. God says this, when I am afraid... I put my trust in you. This is from Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? <laughs> I know it's a Sunday school answer. I, I get it. This is, the, this is what we learn at church. But seriously, this is what Jesus says. This is, Jesus says, I want to give you a life that doesn't look like the, what the rest of the world is experiencing. I want to give you life that can bear light, that can carry my light into the world. And, and I, so truly, what does it look like if you trust in Christ completely? If you give over everything to Christ, the brokenness of this world is not the end. 
The brokenness isn't even what we focus on if we put our faith in Christ. Because the reality is, is your flesh is bound for resurrection. That's what Jesus says. What you're doing right now isn't the end-all, be-all. You will be raised with Him, and in Him we will live forever. Forever entangled with Jesus' life forever entangled in the presence of God. And if that's the case, what can anyone do against me? What can the world throw at me if my God is Jesus and my resurrection is assured? What can the world do? What can anyone say that is going to cause me to be less in the eyes of my God? Nothing. I'm not afraid because Jesus is my king. And he sits on his throne and he is in charge of the heavens and the earth, not just what's happening next Tuesday. Jesus is the son of God and and we, we like to place him off in the distance when we're looking at the things that are going on in this world instead of surrounding ourselves with his presence and saying, Lord, it looks bleak out there, but it's a good thing I've got you. Um, the truth is, we shouldn't be afraid because there's nothing better than God. There's nothing bigger than the God I serve. This was the mindset of the martyrs. The early, uh, the early church was under intense persecution. I think about this a lot because I wonder, I wonder how I would do in this situation. The Romans would catch you being a Christian and they would give you a chance. You can either die if you re- reject Jesus, or you can, uh, if you don't reject Jesus, I'm saying it wrong. If you don't reject Jesus, you can die, or you can reject Jesus and everything will be hunky-dory. And the people said, I will not reject my God. And so they were, they were killed, they were murdered, they were martyred because of their faith. I wonder where I would be on that. There's a a story of John Wesley. John Wesley is a very special guy to me. Uh, He was the starter of the Methodist movement. And Wesley uh, had faith to move mountains in his later years. In his earlier years, he was not so great. We'll put it that way. Uh, He he wanted to go to, uh, to America because this was when America was pretty new, wanted to go to America and to preach to the heathens, the, the, the Native Americans, the Native Indians, wanted to come and share the gospel with them. So he got moved out here and lived in Georgia, surrounded by a bunch of very Caucasian people, didn't see Indians at all, uh, and, and did a horrible job as a pastor there. Um, just was miserable and was a miserable failure. And the town wanted him out and kind of chased him out. And he fled from where he was back across the sea. When he was on that trip, the, the, the ship is overwhelmed and overcome by a storm. So much so that the captain and crew are panicking. And you know it's a bad storm when the captain and crew are concerned that the ship is going to go down. This is why if I ever am on an airplane and I'm like, oh, that feels uncomfortable, I look at the stewardess because if she looks like it's uncomfortable, I know I'm really uncomfortable. But if she looks like things are hunky-dory, then I'm going to be like, okay, things probably are much better than I am. Well, this was the scenario that Wesley found himself in. Not good. 
the crew and, and, and the captain are talking about what they're going to do if or when the ship sinks. And Wesley is up on deck freaking out because he knows he hasn't done enough for God to forgive him because he knows he hasn't done enough to achieve what God wants for him. And, and he's afraid for his life. And he hears music, hymns of praise coming from inside the ship. And so he goes inside and a group of Moravians, which are a group of Christians, are sitting and singing praises to God. And he's like, how can you praise God at a time like this? Don't you know we're going to die? And they said, we praise God because our God is bigger than the storm. Oh, in the middle of, of the ship about to sink, their faith overwhelmed their understanding of the storm. Now that can make them look really to, to many people in the world, oh, they were just crazy optimists. I'm a realist. I don't know how many times you've heard that, uh, where people are like, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. Well, realize this, realist, that Jesus has overcome all of that. And so Wesley saw this and was like, oh my gosh, I, my faith is so small. And he went to a class after they, they survived the storm, got back, the ship made it through. They went to, he went to a, a reading of the, the letter to the Romans, and Martin Luther was, did a, a, a preface, and Wesley was reading through that, and it was then that he said his heart was strangely warmed, like he knew for a fact that God had lived and died for him, and that even his sin had been forgiven. And it was then that he truly came alive in Jesus, because no more was he afraid of what was going to happen, because he had blessed assurance. That's one of the hymns that was written because of this moment in Wesley's life, because he suddenly was so certain of who his God was and what God had done. He says he had faith, he just didn't have the right faith. And so for me, many of us, I believe that we sit here and we have faith. We just don't have the right faith. We're standing in the darkness saying, I know there's light somewhere. Instead of moving into the light and saying, I am in the light regardless of what's in the darkness. And so how can we do this? What does it look like for us as a practical moment? We've been, this whole idea of this message series was to have baby steps that we can start with. Some small steps that we can, because if you, if you are, are sitting out there and you're like, uh, yes, I hear you saying I should not fear anything anymore because I have Jesus, maybe I need a little bridge, something that I can cross step by step over into this new life. And so here, here are some ideas that we as a staff have come up with. Uh, first, let's set time limits on social media and bad news. I mean, if you're out there and your social media is just you looking at kitten pictures, um, I get like, I'm a dog person, but even kittens are cute, right? So if that's all you're doing on social media is looking at kitten pictures, then good for you. God bless you. But if you're focusing on uh, negative posts and social media, or if you're looking at the news and you, it makes you feel anxious and afraid, Set some time limits. Say, hey, I'm just going to look at the news at 5 p.m. when it comes on or whatever it is that can help you to, to have those time limits. Second, start and end your day in Scripture rather than on a phone. 
Uh, this might just be for me, because the first thing I do in the morning is check to see if the world has come to an end overnight. The last thing I do in the evening is to make sure what's going on in the world around me, because I want to be able to communicate what we should do as a church, but I use that as an excuse to be focused on what's going on in the world. So instead of using a phone first and last, why don't we start in Scripture, in prayer? What would that look like just in your daily life? How about this? Create godly habits with conditional things. Here's what I mean. I love this because I like, uh, I, I think very analytically, and so I put this in if-then statements. If you've ever programmed, if-then is the way that you tell computers, if this happens, then do that. And for, for me, it's, it's very comforting to have if-then in my life. If I'm feeling depressed or the world is jacked up, then I'm going to spend time in prayer. If somebody has made me stressed out and I am frustrated with them, then I need to tell somebody else so that they can be in prayer with me. That, these are things that I'm giving examples for. Figure out your own if-then statements for conditional things that, that when you're upset, when you're frustrated, when things aren't going right, that you have somebody or whatever it is that you can do. Then, if that's what you do, then uh, cultivate scriptural reminders. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, and this is very old school Christianity. Memorize some scripture verses that bring you joy. I struggle with, with, with people that, that, that are always in that Eeyore mindset because I want to remind them of what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and brokenhearted, and I will give you life. Jesus offers so much stuff, and, and so I remember those things. Lean not on your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Uh, whatever it is that brings you joy in Scripture, learn those and hold on to them. Because when bad things happen, Jesus said, uh, the world is a, a bad place, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So when bad things happen, when the world looks so dark, remember who Jesus is and where that light is. And then finally, spend more time with God than you do hearing bad news. <laughs> what if we did that, just that one? What would it look like if we focused on the light instead of taking a look all the time, straining so hard to see what's going on in the dark? You can have a faith of assurance. You, you can be positive in who Jesus is and what Jesus has offered to you. Not to, to just us as a church, but to you individually. Because Jesus loves you. Jesus gives grace to you. And then Jesus says, I want you to be my light bearer. I want you to go into the world, not as Eeyore, but instead as Tigger, just super excited about everything. I can just bounce on my tail. This is so much fun. It's fun to be a Tigger, right? Why don't we all be Tigger and share the love and grace of Jesus Christ? You can have this faith of assurance. You can do these things because you are the one that God has given grace and life to. And the reality is this. When you focus on God, you start to see God's goodness in the world. 
God's goodness in the world. I, I, I liken this to new car syndrome. I don't know if new car syndrome is real. This is just what I call it. Here's what I mean by new car syndrome. You see a car and you're like, man, that's a nice car. I'm going to get me one of those. And I'm going to get it in purple. It's going to be amazing. I would never buy a purple car, by the way. But you buy the car and it's in purple and then you're driving down the road and suddenly you start noticing all around you are purple cars just like yours. And you were like, nobody had this car before I got it. Why? Because now you notice because it's your car. What would it be like if you noticed because it was your faith? If you lived in the light, not focused on the darkness, but instead focused on God so that you start to see God's goodness in the world. How differently would you live if you had that assurance, if you had that presence of God with you? This is what God wants for you. This is what God calls us into so that we might be the people that God has, has sent into the world so that we can receive the gift of life, so that we can boldly live and share the light, love, and grace that Jesus has given to each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus, for life, not just a little bit of good life, but Life made new, eternal in you. Help us to be assured of our faith, of our place with you, that this is not the end, but just the beginning. Help us to be focused on the light. Help us to live for you now and always. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, Amen.